of this gospel according to Matthew. Book of Matthew is a gospel. It contains narrative history, genealogy, parables, and sermons, uh, and some prophetic oracles as well. And the notes tell us that Matthew, uh, whose surname is Levi, it was written about 48 or 50 AD. So about 20 to uh, 30 years after Christ passed, uh, was resurrected and ascended into heaven. <coughs> Matthew penned this book. And the word, his big word is kingdom. Uh, and we know, we always point out that looking at Matthew chapter 1, we always point out that you can tell that this is a book to the Jews primarily because Matthew's gospel is trying to prove that Jesus is king, but specifically king of the Jews. And it gives us this genealogy uh, from uh, Jesus' uh, lineage. So as we looked at Matthew chapter 1, uh, we see that it had to talk about the birth of Jesus, about the uh, shepherds in the field. And I always like to point out that there is a difference between the shepherds in the field and the magi who showed up at the house. Because when we buy the little nativity scenes for big lots, it's going to have them all together. <laughs> but they, they really wasn't all together. Amen. So as we uh, made our way through, we now are at Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, we'll go ahead and just start reading right at verse 1 and try to make some uh, points as we go through. I'm going to ask that uh, some of you be ready with your notes, because I'm not going to be able to flip all these pages. But a lot of the things that, uh, <coughs> that that's in red, actually, that Jesus is talking about himself, these are Old Testament references. So I'm going to ask you all to be ready to just say, we don't really have to turn to them, but the note-taking purposes, say those Old Testament references out loud so those who are taking notes uh, who may not have those that they would know what to go home and to study. Because what we prove here at Salvador, one of the most uh, prominent things that we like to show is that 65% of New Testament reference, uh, New Testament writing is Old Testament reference. I like, to, I like to point that out. And of course the 65% is just something that I read from a historian and a theologian. I don't know if anybody actually ever added it up, but the point being, the majority of what they talk about in the New Testament it comes from the Old Testament. That's, that's the point. So I don't know about trying to go dig and find, well, it's not 65%, it's 67%, you know, uh, whatever. No, but the point is, a vast majority of what they say in the New Testament is coming from the Old Testament. So, you know, it's really ridiculous and redundant to me when I come across people that want to separate the two. You know, they got some people that want to take uh, with Malachi, in between Malachi and Matthew, and they want to take it and rip it out and throw the new away and keep the old. Well, you, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Hallelujah. Because the, the New Testament is showing us uh, Jesus fulfilled. Hallelujah. The Old Testament is showing us Jesus to come. And I, I always like to point out, when Cooper asked us that question, well, do, a, do a class on Jesus in the Old Testament. And we see all these uh, prophecies about Yeshua in the Old Testament. So here we are now in Matthew chapter 5. And it says, and seeing the multitudes. Then this is making a reference back to Matthew chapter 4. The last few verses that you read in Matthew chapter 4, it tells you about the multitudes and the healings and all of that. Well, it says, seeing the multitudes, he went up the mountain. And when he, had, when he was sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, sometimes when you do look at chapter 4 and realize that he was being followed by crowds, sometimes you think that this... Uh, sermon is to the crowds but he's specifically saying some things to his disciples. Because what we're going to realize as we get into this, matter of fact, let me go ahead and I'll get to chapter verse 3 and I'll start telling you some more. So it says that he, uh, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain and they were near Capernaum. Now we would look at chapter 4 verse 13. It tells us that he was in the region of Capernaum. It says he had left Nazareth and he was in the region of Capernaum. And those cities that's listed at the end of verse 25 of chapter 4, those cities, that's kind of how they know it, because those cities are around that area. Mm -hmm. And when you look at those cities mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, verse 25, those are mostly uh, 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 Gentile regions. 
not, not so much Gentile region. Let me rephrase that. Because it's in Hebrew area, but we have to realize that during this time, although they were still living in Jewish communities, they were living in Roman provinces. And you have to be able to make that distinction. That's why they were able to do a lot of what they needed to do as Christians, because they lived in Christian communities. And when you live around like-minded people, it's easier for everybody to be doing the same thing. But like us right now, we basically living in what I want to define as general population. And sometimes general population, the fads, the styles, the parties, the, all that stuff is pulling up. But when you living in the Jewish community, you know, like Pastor used to say, you can go ahead and roll the sidewalks in on Friday when, it's, <laughs> when the sun goes down. But it's hard to roll the sidewalks in at your house when everybody else's sidewalks still roll out. Especially for our children. Amen. 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 So he says that he went and he sat. Now that was uh, important because what I found out by looking at some of the notes is that in Bible study, I kind of do do it that way. I started sitting down. But they, they knew Jesus was getting ready to teach. Amen. Because he sat. And for the uh, Hebrew uh, rabbis, that was the teaching position. And actually, one of the references said that the teacher sat and the audience stood. Hmm. So it's just, it's just so many little things that we've lost throughout time. Uh, not, not, I, I'm not going to say that that matters or not. I just wanted to point that out for historical fact. Amen. And it says that uh, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach who? The disciples. Implying just the disciples. Yeah. So it says, now what we get ready to get into is called the B attitudes. Several reasons why it's called the B attitudes. One reason, because you'll notice they all start with the word blessed. Mm -hmm. Well, this word blessed in the, in the Latin is beauty. B-E-A-U-T-I, beauty. Yeah. Which means blessed, which means very happy. So basically he's saying very happy, or we would say blessed, and we learned that the, uh, one of the definitions of blessed is to be empowered to prosper. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we teach the Beatitudes, Jesus is not suggesting in any type of way that he wants any of his followers to have poor or weak or dampened spirits. But when you look at it contextually of what the message that he's trying to send, it, what he's really saying, uh, somebody do me a favor and let's go and look at uh, Proverbs 4. Somebody go read Proverbs 4, 23 for me. I want to, I want to look at a contrast real quick. Proverbs chapter 4. Somebody stand and read verse 23 for Amen. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Amen. King James says, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. Pastor used to put it this way. The heart is what tells us what's important. Mm -hmm. And what he uh, continued to expound on is, we do things that's important to us. Remember when he was teaching us when somebody tell you they're going to try to do something? Right there, they're trying to weasel their way out of it. Amen. If you're going to do something, you're going to do it because we do what's important to us. Well, the proper, the writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. Now, also, and we're going we're to look at another scripture uh, later on that talks about, uh, well, let's just go there now. Let's just go there now. Stay in Proverbs, go to chapter 6, and, and somebody stand and read verse 16. I want to show you a contrast. Because here he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we look at the culture we live in, we really should be dissatisfied as Christians. We should be dissatisfied with a lot of things that's going on in our culture. Amen. Honestly, we should be dissatisfied with a lot of things that's going on in the church. I was included. Hallelujah. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6, read verse 16. Verse 16 says, These six things the Lord hates. Mm -hmm. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Read the next one. 
Okay, right there. Now the King James says a hearty, a hearty, a hearty, a hearty spirit. Hearty eyes. That's where hearty means proud. And somebody who's conceited or arrogant. So when we look at Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, because Jesus is definitely not telling us to be sad. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when we look around, and not only at the degradation of the surrounding culture, truth be told, we need to analyze our own lives. Amen. Because listen, when you become satisfied with yourself, you're in trouble. Because there's always room for improvement Amen. in life. None of us have made it. None of us are so smart, so rich, so body in shape. We got to we got to keep uh, educating ourselves on the word of God. Amen. You got to keep striving to be a good, loving, kind, humble, forgiving person. All of this stuff we have to continue to strive to do. And, and trust me, life is gonna show you that you ain't made it. Because right when you think you got it together, what does the Bible say? He who think he stand, he better do what? Take heed, lest he do what? Fall. Fall. That's right. Amen? Yes, sir. One of the days here was Proverbs 16 and 19. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share the plunder with the proud. That's right. That's right. Now, Truth be told, and let's just keep it real in the sanctuary. Sometimes we want to be with the in crowd. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank God. I've been on earth 21,500 and some days. I've had my in crowd experience, and I'm okay being by myself now. But when we're young, amen. amen. Let's just keep it real. When we're young, we want to be with the in crowd. I used to feel like nobody at the party was going to have fun, and I wasn't there. You know what I found out? They had more fun when I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing he says, blessed are they that mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. What comes with mourning? Matter of fact, watch this. Not what comes with mourning. What brings on mourning? What's the P word? Pain. Those two come together. Mourning and moaning go together. Because when you're in that kind of excruciating pain, not that somebody just slapped me external pain. Most of the time when you're mourning, you're mourning from inner pain. But he says, look, blessed are those that mourn. Why? Because you will. You've got to have that hope. Listen, they got some people. They got some people that need to be here. And maybe not here at this church, but they got some people that need to be in somebody's Bible study tonight. Because you're mourning. You got all this pain going on on the inside. And you would rather, I'm not going to go a little further. But it's really just sad. It's really just sad. It's really just, it's, it's really just sad. You mourning, got all this pain going on, but won't go to the place that alleviates pain. That alleviates pain. Amen. 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 Now, pray to God, pray to God that at least you read your scriptures at home. Because the, the, the power is in the word. Amen. So we will be confident. And whenever we go through something, and all of us have had, uh, we've lost loved ones, uh, we've lost jobs, we, we've lost, uh, maybe our portfolio got scrambled, you lost all your money. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can lose, and that's pain. That's fear on the inside. That's why when people get diagnosis, they don't say nothing. That's fear. Amen. So when, when we're going through all of these things, know that God is able to comfort you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The first definition I heard of meek was a Clydesdale horse. Because they are so big and majestic, but they very, very docile animals. Uh, but the, the, the definition that I heard recently was breaking a wild coat, a wild horse, and finally breaking it where somebody can ride it, and now you've made him He's still strong and wild, but you've calmed him down. How many of us have been raised teenagers up in here? 
Teenagers are kind of somewhat rambunctious. All of us were, whatever generation you grew up with, whatever toy you had to be bad with as a teenager, trust me, most of us got into something as teenagers. I don't care what generation you grew up in. So to be meek, he says that they shall inherit the earth. Uh, inherit the earth. So one version of the Bible, actually several versions of the Bible, uses the term the whole earth. And that honestly gives us reference to the thousand year millennial reign. I want to continue to point this out because there's so little, there's so little known and taught about the book of Revelation. We talk about heaven all the time. But you gotta realize there is a gap in between what we're going through right now and heaven. When John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down, you gotta remember that's in chapter 21, but in chapter 20, he says that we're going to reign with God on thrones in the thousand-year millennial reign. And that's going to be on earth because it's after that thousand-year millennial reign that it says heaven and earth passed away, the old heaven and old earth passed away, and they went, there was no more place found for them. So the thousand-year millennial reign is going to be on earth, and I like pointing that out to people. Amen? But in that thousand-year millennial reign, remember, where is evil going to be? Where is evil going to be during the thousand-year millennial reign? In the, in the, in the old, in, in the pit. Huh? In the pit. In the pit. Remember, he's going to take him in. He's going to have the Revelation 20 starts off by telling us that he saw an angel who came with a pit, a, a key and a chain, and he threw him in the pit, the pit, and he locked him up for a thousand years. And while that thousand years is going on, so in other words, the thousand-year millennial reign is going to be a thousand years of what? What's the P word? Pain. Peace. 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 That's what, I, that's what Psalm 37 and 11 That's exactly right. Amen. For the people inherit the land and enjoy great peace. All right, now y'all write those Old Testament references down, those who take your notes. What is that? Psalm 37 and 11. That's, a, that's, that's one of those uh, quotes, pretty, pretty much verbatim of what Jesus is saying in the New Testament. There's a quote in Psalm 37, 11 that's talking about the same thing. Amen. Verse 60 says, Bless are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So, now this is a question I'm going to ask. Remember now, what is your soul comprised of? What makes up the sukkah, the soul? Mind, will, Appetite and intellect. Oh, okay. Those are the primary, those are what I like to call the primary categories. Those three. The subcategories is your desires, your passions, and your appetites. In other words, your emotions. Why you get excited over, you know, they got all kinds of sports, but why do we get so excited over football? Oh, I was laughing at Steve Harvey this morning, you know, in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics, they playing this game. What that game called? Curling. Curling. <laughs> yeah. That's a sport, but I ain't excited about it at all. Why? Because that don't move me on the inside. You see, some of us like, you know, we all like different things. Well, that comes from your sukkah, your psyche, the way you think, your emotion, your mind, your will, your intellect, your passion, your desires, your appetite. So look at what he says. He says, blessed are those that do what? Hunger. So what's on your appetite? Right, yeah. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? That's an individual question. But what excites you? And I mean, honestly, as Christians, you know, uh, as baby Christians, we understand. You know, baby Christians are the best ones to have on the team. <laughs> Peter was a baby Christian. He took that sword out of chocolate. Boy, he was serious, you know what I mean? Oh, mature Christians, Paul say knowledge puffs up. We get arrogant and pious and pumps. But On our, what, whatever it is that we're hungry for, whatever you're thirsting for, that's what you go for. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I'm going to move on uh, from that because we're going to talk about hunger and thirsting a little bit later. He says, but those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Okay. Now, the word righteousness really means having things done right. Do you hunger and thirst, first of all, for you doing right, right things? And do you have a desire for things around you to be done right? Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Now, we can, uh, we can persuade those around us. All of us have influence in different areas. There's several of us in this room tonight. And, and for each of us, we have influence in areas of life that other people may never need. So when we hunger and thirsted, hunger and thirsted for righteousness is not always you taking it in. Sometimes it's what? It's you giving it out. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to talk about that too later on. For hunger and righteous, for they shall be what? Feel. Feel. To be filled with righteousness, you have to be emptied of unrighteousness. So you can't fill a vessel that's already full of something. Amen. There's a lot of compounds you put in the same vessel, they'll separate. They can't, they can't go have a thing together at all. We know all that water is one. Building it all is one. They'll separate. You can shake them up and, and get them to mix. But as soon as you set that vessel down, they're going to separate you. So, he says, we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for we shall be filled when we hunger and thirst for it. Now, several of you in this room, actually all of you in this room, you are hungry and thirsty. Either that or you're trying to prove some kind of point. But I believe you're hungry and thirsty. That's what I believe. Because you're here every week. You, you decided in your mind that Bible study is important. You made up in your mind. You're hungry and thirsty for the righteous word of God. Because that's what we're going to thank the Holy Spirit. The only way you're going to get righteousness is, is got to come from the word of God. Mm -hmm. Humanity will not come up one day and be like, oh, you know what? We want to do stuff right. Why do you say that, preacher? Because we've been here for what? Uh, almost 500 years in America? And they ain't done nothing right yet. They give the illusion of doing right. But look behind basically every prominent thing in America, and there's a uh, there's a manipulation behind it. Okay, let me say this real quick and we're gonna move on. In 1972, when I was a kid, the Vietnamese started coming to America. And we knew, as black people, we live in a country that had oppressed us. Why do them people came here and we start treating them bad too like other folk had treated us? Started acting like the, the people who were the oppressed oppressed. always becomes like they're oppressed. Yeah. That's not that's not hunger and thirsty. But we didn't know that now. Let's just say our parents would have had it in church. We might have treated them people different. But we was in the world and we was thinking like the world taught us to think. Anybody that's different than you, harass them. That's what America has taught us. Any I'm gonna look at the camera on that one. Anybody that's different than you. Whether it's height, color, economic status, whatever it is, if, if somebody's different than you, you will find a way to make them feel beneath you. Unless it's money, then you'll find a way to put them on the pedestal. But anything else, we like to make people feel beneath us. I'm trying to eradicate that out of my life. Amen. Amen. Because I listen, I understand Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil was about yesterday, the day before yesterday. It was about a man who felt like he was narcissistic. Well, when they showed the clips of how he was treating his family, bro, you ain't got to guess. But besides the physical violence, guess what? That was me on Dr. Phil's day. And as a matter of fact, I realized very recently I ain't narcissistic. I'm a sociopath. I just don't murder people. But I want everything my way, and if it ain't done my way, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. I'm trying to break that in my life. I had to realize that about myself. Are you man and woman enough to realize your faults, your proclivities, your predilections? And now once you realize them, once you know better, you do should better. try to what? Do better. I think it's a fool to walk around and, and look at yourself in the mirror and admit that you are something and you still that you, you won't try to take it. Yeah. We're running everybody in your life away from you. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Amen. All right, so verse seven it says, Blessed are the merciful. Why? Because they shall not turn mercy. That's just one of those things that reciprocate. Whatever it is in life that you give, you're going to get some of it back. <laughs> Make sure you teach this principle to your children. There is no way around it. The Bible calls it the principle of what? 
Huh? So many reasons. So many reasons. Also call it the law of reciprocity. Whatever it is, whatever you put out there, you will get some of it back. And the cold part about it, you might not get it back in the same way you put it out there. <laughs> How many of us have found out our teenage children is our payback? I'm going to move on. Amen. Do you say that comes from Psalm 41 and 1? But it's talking about the physical heart. 
course, when we're talking about the soul of man, the suka, that's talking about your mind, your will, your intellect, your passions, your desires, your life, your whole makeup. Why are you who you are? You are not who you are because of your spirit. You who you are because of your soul. Now, what, what, is, what is the best thing that could ever happen to a human being is your soul and your spirit get on the same page. That's a, that's a good person. That's a good Christian. When you can get your soul and your spirit on the same page, let me tell you something. Don't critique or judge somebody Christianity by your flesh. Amen. Amen. It'll mess you up every time. Because we can act. Most of us in here can go to Hollywood makers. <laughs> Amen. Because you can make your flesh do almost anything. You can make anything come out your mouth. But when you can get what, what's really happening with most of us is our soul and our flesh is attached. And the spirit over here really wanting to do right. The spirit will never come over here on this side. You, if you're not in Christ, you will always be two-thirds of a person. Always. And I ain't talking about your race. Like they're trying to say black folk only five-eighths of a man or three-fifths of a man. I ain't talking about that. God made us to be a tripod being. We are body, spirit, and soul. All human beings are. It's just, has your spirit been turned on yet? And how do you turn your spirit on? What's the key to turning your spirit on? What's his name? Jesus. Uh huh? Jesus. That's how you turn your spirit on. Everybody, you, it's laying in you dormant. Hallelujah. So, if you are not in Christ, you two-thirds of a human being. The spirit is in that, but it's dormant. You ain't hearing from God at all. Why? The only part of you that hears from God and even have a desire to hear from God is your spirit. So your spirit now has to trans information or has to translate information over to your soul. Then your soul has to translate that heavenly information that gets your spirit from God. Now it's in your spirit. Your spirit has to translate it to your soul, and your soul has to translate it to your flesh. And that, that transfer ain't always successful. <laughs> Amen. So what, 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 what we really try to do in salvation, what we really try to do is we're trying to get the soul over here with the spirit. Now, if you can get your flesh over there with him, you're a bad man. <laughs> If you can get all three of you in the spirit, well, you can just be, I don't want to say uh, perfect in the, in, the, in the sense of uh, uh, teleu. I, but I, I want to say it in, in, in the sense of teleos. Teleu is complete and perfect. Teleos is in the process. See, so telestine, really, that's what Jesus said on the cross, to telestine. That's finished. That's complete. That's done. But we're in the process right now. We're being made perfect, the Bible says. So you, huh? So you gotta get your spirit to hearing from God, and we only do that through salvation. You have to say yes to Jesus. You have to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You gotta believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. From the dead, and the Bible says that we shall be saved. Once that happens, now your spirit is turned on, and it can hear from heaven. Now listen, your spirit only got one way here. It only hears from heaven. Your spirit don't listen to your flesh. Your flesh trying to get your spirit to calm down. The spirit like now. Now your soul is the man stuck where? Your soul is the man stuck in the middle. Amen? So we have to get better at being pure in heart. Now listen to me carefully when I say this. I'm going to move on. Sometimes, although we feel a certain way, let's not let it out into the atmosphere out of our mouth. Because we're being derogatory to what we say we believe in. Now, we get emotions. God gave every emotion you got. Fear, anger. I can go on and on. Every emotion we have, we got it from God. The Bible says what? Get angry. And say not. So getting angry ain't no sin. It's what you do when you get mad that makes it volatile. Amen? So let's just try our best as we go on. Pure heart equals pure thought. Pure thought 
equals pure speech. Amen? Verse 9, he says, Blessed are the That's right, Psalm 51. That's right. When, when, when David got caught, remember Nathan, when Nathan went to David and he got caught? Well, after he got caught, y'all know the little story Nathan told him about the new lamb and all that. When he got caught, he wrote Psalm 51. God created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Amen? Mm -hmm. And all of us, that, that, that can be all of our prayer. Verse 9, he says, Blessed are who? The peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Amen. My, my King James says the children of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Same thing. Because when it says sons, it, it ain't just me and male. Amen. Everybody got a chance to be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. So we shall be called children of God. Amen. So now some of us, because of racial equality, we think Dr. King marched for freedom of black people. Don't you? You think that's what he marched for? Huh? No. Mm -hmm. He marched for peace. For all peace. That's really what he gave his life for. He mimicked his style from a hot gun. The 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 uh, protest, the nonviolent protest. He mimicked that from London. He had already used it in India. The more people beat you up, the more humble and submissive you get. <laughs> I don't know if we can go move further than this tonight. <laughs> because we live in a culture now that says, if they gonna do it to me, I'm gonna do it to them. Matter of fact, if I know they're gonna do it to me, I'm gonna get them before they get me. That's the culture we live in. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because people don't understand that Dr. King was a pastor first. And I mean that'll go against everything that he was preaching about if he would if he was to preach hate and division. You know what I'm saying? So that's what made him uh, unique. Yeah, yeah. unique. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because he, what he was able to do, and watch this, not only was he able to do it, he was able to get thousands of people to do it with. That's, that's good leadership. When you can get people to stand in the line, have dogs attack, uh, attack them, water holes put on them, they call them, they, 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 they doing everything that they can to deter but they did not fight back. Ain't that good? So what he really was doing, now I, I, I brought that out because he was a peacemaker. It wasn't, it, for Dr. King, if you listen clearly, it wasn't just about black people. What it, honestly, what it mostly was about was about white people. It really was about white people. Y'all need to stop being so evil in me. That's the point he was really making. So you know what? To show the world, that's what happened with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. The world saw how evil and cruel and wicked you are. And that's what Dr. King did. He put them on camera. Let's let the world see. We're going to stand here, and we're going to see if y'all won't let them dogs loose on us. We ain't did y'all nothing. We ain't cussing y'all out. We ain't saying nothing. Let's, let's let the world see how evil. Say that? That's why they don't want our kids or other kids to learn about it now. Right, so right. They don't know how evil that was. But I, I've been saying, I'm not going to argue with nobody. Now, I must have a worldwide voice. And I'm not trying to be a big headed or nothing. But y'all know how long I've been teaching on this. Y'all know that. And I told y'all a few weeks ago, quit arguing with these folk over critical race theory. That's a made up term. It's called American history. Let's call it what it is. Now, I said that about three, four weeks ago. When the last time you heard something about critical race theory? <laughs> Just your <brain. clears throat> You ain't heard it. So I don't know, I don't know if God like got a, a microphone here, but you pointed it out the other day. There's some stuff we be teaching and all of a sudden, Revelation. Let me say that the other day. Man, all of a sudden, everybody teaching Revelation. Amen. So in other words, we, we got this, we got this, uh, how you call it, uh, forerunning ministry. It ain't, listen, you ain't got to be big to be good. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he, he says that blessed are the peacemakers, because we're going to be called the children of God. Verse 10, he says, blessed are they which are persecuted. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you gotta ask yourself, look, settle this in your mind right now. Do you want to prove you right on earth or do you want to spend eternity with God? I told one of my friends the other day, you know, he, he, he campaigning right now for, for a position. And I asked him, I said, listen, are you trying to prove you right or are you trying to win the election? You got to make up your mind which one you're trying to do. Because <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to prove you right, yeah. and you say that, that's going to kill it. <laughs> We're trying to win the election. Once you get in the seat, then you open your mouth and you start changing things. Amen? So we we looking at it right here. He says, we... Uh, let me, let me, where we at? Verse 10? Let's, let somebody find 1 Peter uh, 1 Peter 3 and 14. You know right what I'm on. And then somebody find Acts 5 and 17. 1 Peter 1 Peter 3 and 14. Is it 3? I think, I think it's pretty much 3, yeah. Somebody stand and read those for us. Now remember, we're talking about it being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Somebody stand and read First Peter three, start at fourteen. I think the punchline is eighteen, but we'll start at the beginning of the uh, exhortation. Don't everybody jump at once. First Peter, First Peter, he said three fourteen. Yeah. Amen. I got first Peter. He says, but and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. If you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify. Amen. Mm -mm. Because that ain't what our little ones. Amen. What I'm looking for is in chapter 2. Chapter 2, starting at verse 19. Chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 19. He says, For this is a this is thanksworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20. For what glory is it? If when you are buffeted or beat, is this word buffeted, for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do good and you have to suffer for it and you take it patiently, God like that. Verse 21. For even unto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now what is it talking about right now? Following his steps of doing what? Suffering for doing righteousness. Amen. Remember, the Bible says Christ learned obedience out through the things he suffered. Now, we're living in a culture now. Nobody, nobody can't go through nothing. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to say this real, as quick as I can and move on. If you have an enemy, and an enemy has a chance to steal propaganda in your camp, you see how they're not respecting America right now. There ain't, ain't no country got no respect for America right now. We're going to be in a war. Mm-hmm. Because we have allowed China and Russia through propaganda on these on his social media sites. I don't click on it no more. All that old, old hate stuff. Bringing up all this stuff about racism and all this stuff. What? The thing about the internet is it's not censored. You don't know where this stuff coming from. Now they got us all divided. If no, we're the truth, I want you to think about this. If we have a war right now, who are you going to be more apt to kill? White Americans or, or, or Russians or Chinese? Somebody put a gun in your hand. Who you going to be willing to shoot first? Who you really bad at? <laughs> I'm going to move on, Jack. Now, what's the other one? I, I mean, Acts 5.17. Acts 5.17. Right, Acts 5.17. Acts 5.17. Acts 5.17. Acts 5.17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of Pharisees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, why do you want me to go? Well, really, the point that I wanted to point out is really the, the high priest and the head elders that's causing all the trouble in the church. See, he's talking about, uh, in verse 10, he's talking about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. It was the church leaders that were starting the persecution. 
Who really and truthfully brought Jesus to power? When you read the book of Acts, and, and I always say it started after chapter 5, but really, this is in chapter 5. This is after the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It shows, and when you read the book of Acts, from this point on, basically every chapter you read is going to start off with the high priest and the head elder. They was the ones, they was the ones causing the people all the trouble. If it wouldn't have been for them, the Romans really wouldn't have been messing with them at all. The church leaders. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. But he says, when we learn how to suffer, when we know we've done good, you know you're doing good, you know you're trying to live for God, and people talking about you, stabbing you in your back, doing all this stuff, you have to listen. I tell young people when, when, when we have children in this church, and I would teach them, I would tell them, never defend yourself when you know you ain't done nothing wrong. Amen. Don't, don't even waste your time, don't waste your breath. Because watch this, if we would have kept reading in, in First Peter just now, it kept it when you when we would have kept reading, it says when they when he, when he was uh reviled, he, he when he was vowed, he reviled not. In other words, they would what when he was in front of Pilate, Pilate was dogging him out. What did he do? He didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. We gotta get their ass. This culture we living in is the oppressed always comes becomes like the oppressor. I'll, at this point, I want to call it reverse racism. Steve Harvey said white girls so many times this morning on the radio, I turned it off. Because if white people get on the radio and holler, this black girl did this and this black girl did that, everybody can say, man. If he didn't say white girl 20 times, that's not, that's not right. That's not fair. Uh, me and him had a conversation the other day. I know how y'all feel about Trump, but if I don't want them censoring me, this is America. And the First Amendment not the second, third, fourth, or fifth, but the first amendment on the American Constitution. See, I got the right to say whatever I want to say. Okay, let's talk about if it's going to bring violence and if it's going to do that. That's secondary to the fact is we got the right to say whatever we want to say in this country. That right is being taken away. Mm -hmm. Because it's a person you don't like saying. Mm -hmm. But since everybody cool with Steve Harvey, he can get on TV and radio and how the white girl, white girl, white girl all day long. And ain't nobody going to say nothing. Why is it every time a white cop shoots somebody, we got a mark? They even had 15 uh, black boys that got shot. Ain't nobody marched. So what are we saying? A, a black life only matter when a white cop shoot it? I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Amen. 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 We just, they have a lot of nonverbal communication. You got to watch what you're telling people by your body language and the stances that you take. And as black folk, we like standing up for wrong when they black. Amen. And if somebody you like, you'll stand with them and you know they did wrong. We gotta stop that, y'all. Amen. 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 Verse what? Eleven? Yeah. Say, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. Uh, verse eleven and twelve kind of go together. Uh and say all kind of uh, falsely for my sake. Verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. Where? In heaven. Somebody go to Revelation 6, brother. Go to Revelation 6. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, we got to understand if they killed Jesus. Now, this is something with the way that I teach the Bible, I had to come to grips with, I very well may lose my life. I had to come to grips with that. Because I'm for real. I'm not playing. I'm not trying to pacify nobody. I'm not trying to placate nobody. The word is what it is. The Sabbath is what it is. All of this stuff is true. It's in the Bible. And if you want to get mad, you can get mad about it. But one thing I know about an evil demonic heart is they'll kill you. Watch this. The Bible, the Bible says the devil came to do what? That's right. First he's going to try to first he's going to try to steal your message. He's going to try to steal it from you. He's going to start causing confusion in my family. Me and my wife can't get along because I preach too hard. So he couldn't steal it. So then he tried to destroy it so it wouldn't break. We used to, you remember how many members we used to have in this building? Mm -hmm. So see, he tried to destroy the church. Well, he couldn't do that, so now he's going to try to kill me. I already know that. I ain't scared, though. I done made my peace, amen? Mm -hmm. I done been on earth, how many, what, 21,535 days? And that was, that was a few days until I added it up. So I, I, I was older now. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna commit suicide or nothing, I don't get me wrong. 
But I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough of this evilness and ignorant hatred. I haven't seen enough. So I will preach this word from the mountaintop, and I ain't scared who hears me. I don't care. <coughs> if I say something that's wrong in this scripture, you better come to me with a scripture and prove to me I'm wrong. Otherwise, I'm pounding on it. I'm whipping the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm tearing him up. When I wake up in the morning, the devil look at the rest of us and say, oh, hell, there you go. Because I ain't playing. But that goes back, I mean, because you really got to read the, the last part of the devil. Because they say, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Far from my sake. For my sake. Right. It's, like, it's when you stand, like you just said, when you're standing up saying what the Bible's saying, what the Lord's saying. That's what this is talking about. It's just not again. It ain't talking about those of us who say, oh, a little homosexuality is okay. A little, a little, uh, you know, it's okay if they get abortion if they got raped. Oh, it's okay if you, you know, a man can do his, so his role as long as he's taking care of his family. Oh, it's okay to steal off the job. You know, he got millions anyway. It's okay. See, we just watering down with our word. We just saying stuff is okay. Yeah, listen, if the Bible don't say it's okay, yeah, it ain't okay. Yeah. And if you if you're a child of God, you gotta say what the Bible says. Amen. He says, listen, having no fear, why? Because I am with you always. God is with me. I'm like David, man. I'm running toward the devil with you. Listen, that that uh, that giant Philistine was talking all kind of noise. I mean, he was talking down on Israel. David said, man, you can talk all that noise you want to. I'm coming against you. You coming against me with weapons. I'm coming against you with the word of God. Amen. And that's what I'm coming. I'm standing on. Amen. Amen. You got to be, listen, you got to stand firm on what you do. All this old back backing down and watering down God's word. Really truth is just because you're scared of what they're gonna do to you. All they can do is kill your body. They can't kill your soul and your spirit. That's all they can do. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Amen. Amen. Time fly, we having fun. <laughs> okay, we made it halfway through then. Because it's 20, how many it is? Oh, man, that's 48. I didn't make, I made one third through. Amen. But we'll, we'll catch up right tomorrow. I'm going to have to walk my Bible so I can go and catch up there on 12. We're going to start on 12. Amen. So, 